Live from the Paragon 7 Studios, you are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Paragon 7 Studios. So I'm reading this from CNN.com. Police face questions after a woman's body is found in a police van in Huntsville, Alabama. I spent a lot of time in Huntsville. My whole family's down here. It's about an hour and a half from, from where I am in downtown Nashville at Paragon 7 Studios. Authorities in Huntsville, Alabama are facing questions surrounding the discovery of a woman's body in the back of a rarely used police van in a parking lot. A police officer discovered the body of Christina Nance, an African-American female, on October the 7th in an unoccupied van in the back corner of a parking lot at the Huntsville Public Safety, ironically complex. Huntsville Deputy Police Chief Dwayne McCarver said in a news briefing last week, Nance's family had reported her missing on October the 2nd. The officer noticed shoes next to the van and approached, discovering Ms. Nance's body inside. Windows on the van were observed to be open, and of this type of van, they popped outward. Article goes on to say that all city vehicles are actually supposed to be uh, remain locked at any time. They're not in use or occupied. Sometimes you have to say that something that shouldn't have happened, happened, McCarver reportedly stated. CNN has reached out to the Nance's family and the Madison County Coroner's Office for comment. Investigators have been pouring over security footage from the parking lot trying to piece together what happened. Deputy McCarver said investigators eventually determined Nance entered the van September the 25th around 1.30 p.m. During a news conference, McCarver walked reporters through extremely grainy surveillance footage highlighting Nance's movements on September the 25th and the days following as she opened and closed the windows of the van. Ms. Nance is observed in the video walking around the parking lot on the 25th. McCarver says she lays down in the bushes at some point and she sits on the hood of a police car at some point. She then approaches other cars in the parking lot. All of this happens for about 10 minutes before she enters the van. Now, the article goes on to say that cars go by, people walk nearby the van. We, we wish that she had holler out to someone or something because there are plenty of what we see as potential opportunities for this not to be a tragedy. Unfortunately, no one was able to realize she was in the van, and that was the outcome. The van was purchased in 1995. As an in, this is key as an inmate transport vehicle, Deputy McCarver said. It's repurposed by the department in the early 2000s. For evidence, transportation has not been used since March because the vehicle is designed for inmate transport. Once the back doors are closed, there's no way to open them from the inside. I think that this is a, this is a very interesting. Huntsville, first of all, Huntsville Police. <laughs> let me tell you my story with, with Huntsville Police. I'm at my parents' house many years ago, and I'm there with a rental car, and and... My car is parked out in front of my parents' house. I had a laptop and some other valuable things in there. I think I had a Movado watch, some work-related stuff. I was working at Blue Cross at the time in Arizona. 
somebody broke into my car and stole my stuff. And they had several break-ins in the neighborhood. So we're asleep. We get a knock on the door by the police around 1.45 a.m. The police say that, hey, we've, we've done some search on the perimeter. There have been several robberies of cars in the neighborhood. We believe that your car was hit. Mr. Lewis, I go outside and do a search through. You know, stuff is gone. The, the, the gentleman, I don't have his name in front of me, but the gentleman... You know, see that that responded. The policeman was very polite to me. It was late, but they they did the fingerprints, they did all of this stuff. I filled out a police report. I asked him. I said, "Hey, you know, what are, what are the odds of me getting this laptop back?" It was a nice laptop too. His Apple was making it was it was a pretty good batch of Apple laptops. The the iPad, it was like a MacBook Air. And he said he was just like straightforward. You're probably never going to see that stuff again. But if for some reason we're able to book these people. You may have your stuff returned to you at some point. I said, thank you very much. Guy was calm, polite, respectful. I'm back in Phoenix. It is a national news story. I'm looking at, I'm looking at national news, and I see this face. There's this investigation of the Huntsville Police Department. And I see this face, and I'm like, yo, this face looks real familiar. Long story short, this ball had unloaded on a mental health patient and peeled, and in the words of Kevin Hart, had peeled his muffin cap back blue. It was in some hot water. Same cop came to the house to do a report. Theft in the area. We feel like your car has been broken into. Yo, this same person, this, this, this same person blamed somebody. And when I read about it, it was a mental health situation. It seemed like excessive force. And this person was basically one of those trigger-happy cops that I talk about on the show. So I'm just glad that he didn't think that I was breaking into my own car. Because he might have peeled my cap. And that's my story about Huntsville PD. And that's not going to make me real popular in Huntsville, but I don't live in Huntsville and I don't pay taxes in Huntsville. So, so be it. But in this particular case, this is an interesting, and we talk a lot about African-American women going missing and how nobody cares and how if it's a woman of the Caucasian persuasion, that HLN, CNN, MSNBC, all of these outlets, uh, John Walsh, uh, who's the uh, 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 Judge Piro, Geraldo Rivera, Riviera, not good at pronouncing names, Nancy Grace, even Doctor Sanjay Gupta. People will be people will be be screaming to to the mountains and the valleys, and they will comb the entire tri-county area they will do they will do they will do an arm an ar- a human chain and they will walk every acre every square foot looking for someone of the caucasian persuasion if it's a black person ah, we'll put you in the back of a milk carton at walmart said hey have you ever you seen this person it's about 5 6 126 pounds was last seen wearing a pair of denim jeans 
and some Air Jordan fives. You know, if you see her, give us a give us a buzz. If you don't see her, eh, nobody cares. So it's a bad look having with the with some of the issues we've had with law enforcement, especially in, in Huntsville. It's not it's not the best look that someone was allowed to be in a a police vehicle, no matter how they got there. Now we don't we don't know what happened. And that's the other reason I brought it up. We don't know if this person was drunk, disoriented, high, distraught, depressed. We don't know if they intentionally entered that with intent of harming themselves. We don't, we don't know any of that. The article said that there's no trauma. Um, this person wasn't assaulted, any of those type of things. So we don't know if it was just as simple as someone looking to get away. Well, I don't know anything about her, her background. She could have been hiding she could have been in personal trouble for something else. She may have been trying to get away from a boyfriend, away from debt. She could have been depressed, anything. She could have gotten in that van and couldn't have gotten out because once you get in, it's, a, it's an in, inmate transport van. And, and obviously they're designed so that you can't get out. If, if you could get out, then it wouldn't be an inmate transport van. We don't know if there's nefarious foul play with the police. We don't know if, 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 if the police, is it negligence that they didn't notice she was in the van? Could she have screamed to people from the van saying that, that hey, I'm in here, I'm trapped? It's still relatively warm in Huntsville. Did she have heat stroke? Did she run out of water? Did she have a mental health problem? Was she in some type of distress or under some type of duress? We don't know. They'll do toxicology. They'll, they'll try to find out the best that they can. And I don't think that we can blame the chief of police per se. If, if somebody wanders into a van, I don't know if that's a Breonna Taylor type of situation. I don't know if that's a George Floyd type of situation or a Botham Jean type of situation or a Trayvon Martin type of situation or a Tamir Rice type of situation. But I do know that that's not, it's just not a great look. It's another L on the police department because who's watching? Who's watching the surveillance cameras? Who's watching to see what's going on? It just, it just, it, it reeks of incompetence. I don't, I don't know if it reeks of something sinister. I don't think this is not, this is not, like when they when they're when they're blazing at somebody, uh, the the one I think it was North Carolina, the guy or Atlanta, this guy had a warrant on him for child support. He was trying to run. He pulls out the car, and starts running. Cops shoot him from forty five feet away. This is not that, but I think that the bigger issue is just we we need to question the competence of everybody, and that's not just police. It's accounting. I work in healthcare. We question the competence of healthcare all the time. We question the competence of teachers in test scores all the time. We question the competence of our athletes and coaches based on wins and losses all the time. We, we question the competence of our CEOs based on the P&L, based on the success or failure of the business or the stock price all the time. I just think with, 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 with policemen, is it, is it their fault that somebody wandered in the car and perhaps locked themselves in? I don't think so. But is it their fault that the, car, that, the, that the car was open? Little things like that. 
because for the most part, I feel that we we give we want to give we want to give the the system the benefit of doubt. They're out there risking their lives. I'm not out there risking mine. And we want to give the system the benefit of doubt. But this is another story that's just a bad looking story. Is it, am I blaming Huntsville police? Until I find more information, no. Now, we might find information that she dated somebody in the police department and, and there was coercion or something like that. And somebody knew and there was cover up and all of that. But it, but it looks to me, it reads to me as if somebody just wandered in. They were in probably some distress for whatever reason. You don't know what's going on in someone's personal life or, or mental health or physical health. They got in there, they got locked in there, and, and they expired for whatever reason. But it just, it just looks bad. It looks bad that somebody could just go missing in the parking lot of the good guys who are supposed to be checking up on stuff and things like that can happen. It makes it, it makes it look like somebody's asleep at the wheel. And that's not a great look. Huntsville police department. It just, it is what it is. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anti, I'm not anti-cop. I'm actually pro-cop. I'm not comparing this to some of the atrocities that we've seen where we had national riding. I'm just saying it, 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 it reeks of, of incompetence, and indifference, and, and it's it's a bad look. It's Throwback Thursday, Lance J Radio Network. I got a classic interview with my man DJ Rampage after these messages, Paragon 7 Studios. Jordan, this is my friend Naomi. Hi. Naomi. Nice to meet you. Naomi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. You've got an awesome place here. I don't think I've ever been in a house this big before. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a beautiful beach out there. Thank you Blair, for Blair. Hi, Blair. Nice to meet you. you Name's Blair, right? Yeah. You like to jet ski? I've never done it before. You've never jet skied in your life? No, I've never jet skied. Never been on a jet ski? No, I have How many times are you going to ask her? She's never been on a jet ski. I don't know. I might ask her a couple more times. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Did you know that African Americans have the lowest vaccination rates, but have experienced the largest decrease in life expectancy during the COVID-19 pandemic? Our HealthCast series brings in the best and brightest minds in the industry to focus on facts, not fear, or political theater. Avoid shaming and misinformation. Research the data. Talk to your primary care physician about risk factors. Ultimately, it's your body and your decision. This is Lance J. Wishing you a happy and a healthy. It's time to switch to T-Mobile. Right now, pay zero cost when you do. Keep your number and keep your phone. We'll even pay it off. Only at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. I have a big announcement about the expansion of the Lance J family. Paragon 7 Studios is now a full-service consulting firm specializing in healthcare leadership. We are now helping our portfolio of clients with their strategic focus towards risk adjustment, star ratings, value-based contracting, and social determinants of health programs. Our burgeoning media empire reaches a diverse audience of 100,000 listeners weekly, putting us in a rare position to service architects, both on the strategic and promotional side of the healthcare continuum. Build your brand with Paragon 7 Studios. Paragon, Paragon 7, 7 Studios. Studios. Sports and entertainment. Lance J. Rampage. The Lance J. Radio Show. It's never going to be the same. You dig? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I did not see the the Triple G fight last night. A lot of people have been DMing me and texting me about the Triple G fight. I did not see the fight because I was busy watching The Ohio State University put a thumping on TCU, just like I said that they would on the show last week. Um, We're not going to get really into that. We got a special guest in the booth this week. You're listening to the Paragon of Sports Talk Excellence, the Lance Day Radio Network, coming to you live from KDUS NBC Sports Radio Studios in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. I am your host, the one and only James Lewis III. It's a pleasure to be with you on on a Sunday evening, uh, both in Phoenix and our affiliates in the Seattle and Philadelphia markets and across the globe. I have a special guest in the booth with me tonight. Um, one of uh, one of the things about what we do in Lanch Day Radio Network, we're one of the few shows that really brings in the true hip-hop heads, the, the aficionados, people that have the war stories, people that have been on tour, people that have the gold and platinum plaques. I am joined yeah. by the one and only Rampage, the last Boy Scout. You know what, Lance? Mr. Mr. Flip Mode Entertainment himself. It, What's it, going on, fam? You know what? You know what, Lance? I ate off like the assassin. Now I'm blasting. <laughs> I'm taking over. Stick you for your, your blue Range Rover. Rover. I told you. That's Red right. Page, a real live soldier. Been in the game since, since the, the age of 13. All right. Here we go. We here. What up, uh, you, you, you forgot the part where the P.O. looked like Vanessa uh, Del Rio. My P.O. You she looked like <laughs> Vanessa Del Rio. She pulled my rap sheet That's like right. um, Neo Geo. Uh-huh. That's right. That's Whoa. right. You know, um, what up, so, man? so we're here in the booth, man. It's great to have you in the booth, Ram. Thank you, um, thank you, brother. You know, I think me and you, we just met about 30 minutes ago. Shout out to my right. man, Jason Kibble, for making Big this up, happen. Kibble. I love you, uh, Kibble. Shout out to my agent, uh, Pat Green, Greenbacks Entertainment, salute, for, the, for the connect. Shout out, Money Jason. Green Marche. Um, it's like I met you, and it was like we was immediately on. Like it was just, it was just cool. It's like I've known you um, all of these times, man. You didn't know me for a long time. What? <laughs> Man, stop I think, playing. I think I told you the, the first time I heard right. Rampage spit, I was I was <clears throat> a senior in high school. Right. It was 1995, I mm. believe, or 1996. I'm listening to Buster Rhymes, The Coming. Right. And I hear Abandoned Ship. We just heard uh, Rampage spit a few bars to that. And I, I had grown up listening to, to L.O.N.S. and very familiar with Buster Rhymes. But I was like, who is this other dude that's going back and forth with wow. Buster Rhymes? Like, this dude is dope. Um, and who knew that, that years later that this cat would be in the booth chopping it up with me, man. Man, we, we here chopping, man. What we got going on? I'm, I'm here, man. You family. You called. I came. We gonna get right to it. No doubt. No doubt. So anytime we have a, a, a artist in the booth, man, I always want to ask Rampage, uh-huh. you know, you obviously you live this. You've been in the game for for a long time. I mean, I'm 25 you, years in. You have the the war stories. You mm-hmm. have the the experience. Before we even get into the sports side, man, I'm always interested. What made you go into the hip hop industry? Like, how did you how did you start rapping? How did you start uh, getting put on with Flip Mode? Like, kind of walk us through your career. So, make, so to make it a long story short, um, Busta Rhymes is my first cousin. So. He's always been in the music business. But my father's always been in the music business, too. And um, my father started out playing guitar for a lot of groups <clears throat> in the music industry. He would he, he would be one of those guys they would call, you know, if GQ needed somebody to play guitar on his record, they would call my father. And, you know, and my father was a big influence on me and Buster because him and my uncle, they had a studio me and Buster used to, you know, we used to slide under this little, uh, this gate 
and saw my father and my uncle and them jamming and jamming and jamming and jamming and jamming. So that's that's what kind of got me into the music aspect of it. Then my cousin was like, you know, I rap. I'm like, for real, you rap? So we on the block. He rapping. He rapping. He rapping. I'm playing Skelly. I'm on the bike. But, I, you know, Buster was a big, heavy influence in me. He was like, yo, mm-hmm. man, I'm going to just do this thing and... And this is what it is. So we're both from Flatbush, Brooklyn. Okay. It all started in Flatbush, Brooklyn. See, I thought Buster Rhymes was from Long Island. No, no, no. Flatbush, Brooklyn. Then he moved to Long Island. Got it. So we started out in Flatbush, Brooklyn. And, um, and you know, it, it was just a lot of musical memories, man. My, um, You know, just growing up, my, I always had a mother that always supported me. She bought me two turntables. I was like one of the kids in the neighborhood. Every time Christmas came, I got a lot of things. And one Christmas came, I got two turntables in the mixer. You know, I was trying to be the DJ. I didn't know how to rap then. And then my cousin was like, "Yo, you, yo, you need to get down with me. I'm out to, I'm out to go do this." Then all of a sudden, he moves to Long Island. Mm-hmm. So I lost contact from with him for a while. Years, some years passed. I had a uh, cousin in the neighborhood named Backspin the Vibe Chemist. He's the one that produced Wild for the Night. Got it. But I never knew that he was producing Leaders of the New School. And Backspin was push, producing dudes like Special Ed, couple of dudes from Special the neighborhood. Ed. Shout out to Special <clears throat> Ed. You know, I, I was just on his unsung too. So, what happened was Backspin was making demos with me, but was recording records with leaders of the new school on a Time album. Now, is this oh, so this is this is the Time album. So this is after the first one. They were still on Electra, but this mm-hmm. is the second one before L O N S broke up. Right. So, got it. Going towards the second one. I had lost contact with my cousin when they moved to Long Island. There was a lot of dope production on the Time album. Time didn't really yeah. move a lot of units. And, you know, they was kind of getting into some more of the darker stuff as opposed to the first album where it was right. about being in school and being in class. Right. Time was really on the some The first real, album was a classic real, to first me. album was definitely a classic. Um, but the second album, I think Buster was going in his direction. I think Dinko and, and Charlie Brown Big were going to a Dinko different direction. Charlie yeah. Brown and my cousin Milo. He's also my cousin, too. I did, okay, Milo's a cousin. That's what's Milo up. Milo and the dance. That's our first That's cousin as well. That's so, what's um, At that time, it, it, it was a busy transaction, a, bi- a, 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 a big difference. So now I'm watching Leaders of the New School, but back to Backspin, you know, I had lost track since Bus moved to Long Island. I lost mm-hmm. track with him. One night, I get a call from Backspin. He like, yo... You need to come over here. All right, you want me to walk 10 blocks to your house right now? Yeah, you need to come over here. I got somebody that want to meet you. <clears throat> so I got to Backspin's door, and uh, he lived on the fourth floor on, uh, I believe, on Lennox or Linden or one of them, man, one of them buildings. So I walked up in this building. I ain't seen my cousin in years. He was like, yo, you know Buster from um, Leaders of the New School? I was like... Yeah, I know Buster from Leaders of the New School. That's my cousin. He like, man, get out of here. He ain't your cousin. Sure enough, because I didn't seen, I ain't seen him in years. He was like, yo, Backspin, this is my cousin, Backspin. I told you because he, what what happened was Backspin was in the house playing demos of mines because I was making demos. Backspin was in there cutting records with Leaders of the New School, but mm. also recording demos with me. Mm. So Bus was up there trying to finish a couple of solo songs for the new Leaders of the New School album that Backspin was producing. So now, you know, everything is timing. So Definitely. From then, me and Buster's been connected. We, we, ain't, never, we ain't never missed a beat. 
The next thing you know, I I was supposed to go to MTV Jams. No, M- Yo MTV Raps yo, MTV with Fat Five yeah. Freddy. Yeah. And Bus told me to come Shout up there. Shout out to there. Fat Five Freddy. Big up to Fat Five Freddy. Bus told me to come up there, but then called the house and told me, don't come. I said, why? He told me leaders of the new school, they broke up. They broke up on Yo MTV Raps. I was raps. like, wow, because yep. I was just about to jump on the train. And I was going, you know, he told me the address that, like a couple of days before I was going to go up there and meet meet the guys. He was like, yo, don't come. So you you could have had Lito, had L.O.N.S. stayed together, you could have been the fifth <laughs> member of L.O.N.S. technically. Nah. Oh, okay. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, okay. No, but I, I I was I was still learning, you know what I mean? I didn't I didn't know what was really going on as far as the music. I was just going to check my cousin. Right. That was it. So I stayed close to him during that period. Then one day, you know, he moved back to Brooklyn and he stayed at he stayed at my house. So I had some beat tapes laying around. And one of the beat tapes had Woo Woo Ha on it. So it was produced by a guy from my neighborhood named Rashad Smith. He's he's also got a, a production crew called Tamalin Dice. This is the instrumental for Woo Ha. Woo Ha. Yeah. It. So Buster's at the crib. He's recording for a solo album. Lecture gave him a solo album. Mm-hmm. I'm there in the Classic. mix. I'm there in the mix. Buster's like, we're going to the record label. I'm like, what is a record label? I ain't never been to a record label ever. We goes to this record label. Electra. We gets to Electra. Mm. Dante Ross. Dante Ross was like, yo, here's a check. You got your solo deal. Wow. When are you gonna turn your records in? So I'm sitting there watching this process, and I'm still not rapping. I'm still, I'm doing demos with Backspin still, but I'm still not rapping. Buster was like, "Yo, stay close to me." Dope. Yo, we gotta, we gotta cut to the break. We got, we got Rampage, the last Boy Scout flip yeah, mode yeah, yeah, in yeah. the booth. Yeah, we'll yeah, be yeah. back. NBC Sports Radio, Lance Day Radio Network. After these messages, yeah. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. James Lewis. I love guns, just for the record. I'm all over the, the map today. I, I love guns. One thing about me, a lot of people don't know. Um, if you see me in Nashville, there is a 99.9% chance that I'm armed. Because in, in Nashville and in Tennessee, you can you can carry concealed. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmode Squad. I always got the toast on me. I'm not a thug. I live in a gated community. I'm not trying to be a tough guy, but I but I always have a gun on me. I always have a burner on me all the time because it's legal. It's my right as an American to, got the, to, to have the strap. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. 
This is Lance J, a.k.a. the Paragon of Sports Talk Excellence, a.k.a. the Heisenberg of Broadcast Radio, a.k.a. the Wolf of Wall Street. Listen to the Lance J Radio Network weekdays at 7 p.m. on Urban One's flagship 1450 WOL in Washington, D.C., and presented by our partners at Episource, the industry leader in healthcare analytics and Medicare Advantage quality products. It's time to switch to T-Mobile. Right now, pay zero cost when you do. Keep your number and keep your phone. We'll even pay it off. Only at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. 